As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Roy Keane versus the Little Slugs, testiculating with Trevor Sinclair, Village Pubs with Roberto Carlos, Meza Ozil's slightly convenient five-star book review, the non-league net-rippling sound of the week, what constitutes a team's goal living a charmed life, when do footballers get on their bike, post-win apologies are not a thing, a deep dive into allowable low-laying, and Keys and Grey are confronted by the modern horror that is Jesse Marsh's full-time huddle. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 142 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me, he's back, it's Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good, yeah, how are you? Really, really good. Something to share with you straight away. A lot of chat about the punditry on Sky Sports after the Manchester derby. Mm. A lot of it, you know, very well-worn material for us. I didn't really want to get into it too deeply, but there was one part of Roy Keane's ranting that really lit a light bulb in my head. So quite proud of this, but also quite apologetic for it. Here is Roy Keane versus David Brent. It's a trick question. You tackle him. <laughs> you get up against him. You take him out. I went, you're swinging on little slugs. Little slugs with no personality. And it's just jealous that we're better at everything than you. <laughs> Bang on, isn't it? Very good. Pleased with that. And pleased also to welcome back from, from an even longer absence, David Walker. How are you, David Walker? I'm, I'm very good. Just on, on Roy Keane, I was watching the game yesterday in a bar and they had the commentary on, but like not, not loud enough really to sort of penetrate the general ambiance of the bar in Stratford. Uh, so I, I couldn't really hear what Roy Keane was saying. 
but I could see the body language. <laughs> I could see Richards and Redknapp looking at him, giving him the side eye. I could see Richards laughing. And I almost didn't need to hear what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, you can approximate it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've yeah. subsequently caught up, and it's exactly what I thought it would be. You would have known the exact pitch at which he was talking. But, but the, just the, from looking at him. Exactly. And the, on, the only bit of Roy Keane that did penetrate the general atmosphere in the bar was... Fred! <laughs> Just heard it above everyone. Just, and f- Fred! <laughs> the, um, the scenario you've just painted um, for me sounds like the most ideal circumstances for me to exist in. And also, um, perhaps a big signifier that the whole thing has gone, not stale, but there's nowhere else for it to go, Dave. This is it. This is as far as this sort of punditry can really go. Now, how predictable it's become. Maybe it's because of Manchester well, United's uh, yeah. enduring travail. I was having a chat with some of the guys from TIFO in the office this morning about this subject. And you know, the thing is, you've got this sort of reaction and this counter reaction to it all. And people are kind of sort of going, oh, it's just Roy Keane being Roy Keane. But two things. One, he's completely right. And two, yeah. it's because Manchester United have persistently shit. Mm. that's why he's doing the stuff like that's why he's doing it he's not making it up there's a slight element of the boy who cried wolf about it because regardless of the man of the defeat he he sort of goes into this sort of mode whereas yesterday you know the derby was particularly bad or whatever maybe he needs to reserve keep his powder dry a little bit for those occasions where it's particularly bad to make the impact but i don't think it's people say oh it's an act and i don't think it is uh, yeah, Charlie, I was kind of moved to tweet about this being, oh, this isn't this isn't good punditry. And I did. And then I immediately regretted it. Saying, I don't actually care. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, we, I know we've discussed this before, but I, I don't I don't. Uh, do we care? It's fine. I know what you mean. I've been on that journey a bit as well of that yeah. kind of like, is, is this insight? You know, you, we wanna, mm. I want to know what's really going on here. But that's kind of for no, MNF. Like, you know, ultimately, it is quite entertaining. I guess the, the sort of acid test of what you're suggesting, Dave, is whether... If, if United do improve, well, I mean, they will eventually, will he be much less scathing? I kind of feel then he'll be like, well, well done, you've won three titles. Yeah, yeah. Where's the fourth? That's what that's what my mindset was. Like, I, I don't know how much he'll sort of, um, where was, he'll where relent. Was this, where is yeah. this 18 months ago? Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I'm not sure how much he'll be satisfied. By the way, on uh, your David Walker, I had a lot of people saying how they c- couldn't hear Kurt Zuma's name this weekend without <laughs> hearing us saying Should it we in do a keys and grace just, out loud it's just amazing <laughs> it's just so, yeah very Jack touching to hear Butler. that yeah Kurt Zuma isn't is it's a really old, satisfying one to say in that in that voice yeah I'll pencil that in just after the uh, shirts tucked in 11 <laughs> that I've got planned for the near future <laughs> maybe this week we'll see how it goes um Dave were you at Vicarage Road I was Sunday afternoon no I wasn't Ooh. I was watching a in a different pub this time um, <laughs> in, in London because I was playing I was playing football Sunday morning so I couldn't get to Vicarage Road in, in time but I, I was watching the game yes okay fair enough so you weren't there in person to uh, indulge in in this one of the lesser celebrated but traditional noises of modern football here is the sound of Vicarage Road reacting to the replay of Cucho Hernandez's goal on the big screen <laughs> And it's just the response that Watford needed. Just as the match seemed to be going away from them, that's just world class. Well, the thing about it, Dave, is it why is it so markedly different from the style of actually celebrating a goal? It's almost it's almost like tennis-like. It's very 
It's very innocent. It's like, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. lovely, lovely. Shots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, exactly. Because, you know, regardless of... The, there's the there's the initial sort of primal reaction to ball hitting back of net that just, you know, is instantaneous. Yeah, yeah I realise they're then, not massively comparable. Yeah, and then... Yeah, I, just, I, I think that is this, the sort of natural... Because you can't, you can't sort of go again can you can't like go no. even madder than the first time but you do need no. to signify it or recognize it in some way it's a very specific sound like charlie when you're hearing you know tens of thousands of people make that sound if we can try and if we can try and isolate it what is the individual sound what are they all doing on average i'm trying to th- I, what you're doing is going to be like oh because you, oh. you're, you're seeing it for, you're, you're already you're already oh. buzzing you're just waiting to see it. it's like oh that is it's very cage yokator. That is that oh. is so good. So the relief because yeah. it's there's a relief at there's not the celebrating a goal. Obviously, there's the moment before. Is it going to go in? Then it's just like ecstasy. This is more just like wait. I, in my head, that goal looked amazing, and then it's like oh confirmation that that is that really was amazing. Absolutely right. Oh, quickly, Adam from yeah, that game. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else to the point where I'm like, did I imagine this? But I think Smith described uh, Martin Odegaard as a Norwegian Rolls-Royce. Yeah, there was a lot of chat about this. Um, it may be immediately go and Google Norwegian car manufacturers, <laughs> of which there are not many. I mean, they haven't even got like a big one. They haven't got like the one. They haven't even got a one. They haven't got like a Skoda equivalent. They don't make cars. They make weird little supercars and that's it. Um, so there's no um, there's no kind of equivalent in Norway, but yeah. So Odegaard was a Norwegian Rolls Royce. Thomas Party was said to have given a Rolls Royce performance. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, John Joe Shelby was described as a Rolls Royce by Jamal Lascelles on Twitter. Wow, it was a big week. Um, I just I can't remember a, spe- a, a, a qualifier like a Norwegian Rolls Royce. And it's not before. required, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost diminishes it. Yeah, you know, it it's not yeah. you know it's not a pure Rolls Royce, but a slightly modified Norwegian version. But also, following on from our debate about this last month or whenever it was, Odegaard doesn't fit the quali- doesn't fit the the Rolls Royce, does he? He's purring right now. Yeah, but he's even <laughs> even at your even by your standards, Adam, by the t- the tightest bramble <laughs> metric, he doesn't he doesn't fit, does he? No, certainly not. Certainly not that end of the spectrum. I don't know it. it I can understand why people are saying it, and the more I hear it about players he's class. like him, he's got yeah, he's class. class. Yeah. He's yeah. got the premiumness, but I don't think mm. he's a Rolls Royce. He, no, he's... It's, not, it's not the physicality that mm, is there. Exactly, he's, and he's yeah, it's not. He's not going box to box and destroying things and putting out fires. So uh, yeah, not sure about that. Anyway, here we are for the adjudication panel, which has been given a nice soft opening from us there. Uh, first up, Dave, this is um, some existential chat from Lord Daniel Finkelstein. He says, on Soccer Saturday, they keep announcing after events in particular games that it is still game over. But once it has been game over, surely that's it. The game can't be no longer over. I guess Soccer Saturday analysts kind of dig themselves into a hole as soon as they declare a game mm. over. But it's a big thing of Soccer so, Saturday, isn't it? Declaring a game so, over. It's game over, Jeff. So, yes. So, so and, then, and then it comes back to them again. Yep, still game over here, Still Jeff. game over. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, the game has still, finished. No, no, do say it. Still game over, Jeff. Still game over. Yeah, and it's game on. Is game on? Is game on the reversal of game over? Is that the official? Well, no. I, th- I think the reversal is. I tell you what, this game ain't over yet. I, I mean, mean, you'd rarely have a game over, th- and then a t- I tell you what, this game ain't over yet. But actually, like that Sissoko goal yesterday, that would have been. I tell you what, this game ain't over yet. 
Oh, uh, yeah, text-speak example. Although, yeah, would, absolutely. Would they reference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff, we, we said it was game over, but I tell you what. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It might just be back of, on yeah, you. Exactly. There's, life, there's life still in this yeah. one. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's more flexible concept than we ever thought. Um, some sub-points on this, though. Jay Silver, 1986. Charlie says, where do you stand on Michael Dawson on Soccer Saturday talking about a striker being a vocal point? <laughs> Could work. Yeah. I quite like that. Yeah. If, if, a centre half could be a vocal it, point. It seems more of a Sunday League thing of like a he's the only one talking kind of school of player. I can totally He's the only vocal point we've got. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, we, we need a vocal point. <laughs> hey, who's it going to be? A vocal point. Oh, I can totally imagine it, Dave. Yeah. No, I think it works. It's quite nice. Nice play on yeah. words. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes these misspeaks turn into something quite beautiful similarly Charlie Albert Herring says can you tell us whether Alan Hutton's champing at the doors on BT Sports Score is a new coinage or just a sign that he is familiar with the equine fault of cribbing do you know what cribbing is no Uh, cribbing is when horses get a little bit nervous and start basically chewing at um, fences and doors oh right not kennels. What's the, what's the horse kennel called? Stables. Thank you very much. Uh, horse kennel. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Um, it's just a horse kennel, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased that uh, Hutton has used champing and not chomping. Mm. Mm. Yeah, chomping at the doors would be weird. <laughs> Even weirder. <laughs> yeah. But that's but yeah, that's interesting. So that's so if if he was doing that deliberately, that would be if someone's seriously champing to get going. Mm. When yeah. when a horse starts champing at doors, they are just. They want to get out there. Big time. So, yeah, maybe he was on the right mm. lines. of Hutton, of course, of quality street yes. fame. So, uh, very much at the vanguard of the language of football. And man knows a thing or two about the language of football. Yeah. Next up for the goal show content, Dave. Tom 0561006 writes in. It says, on BBC Final Score, Preston's second goal was described as a rocket slotted into the bottom corner. Shambles, he says. Yeah, you can't slot a rocket. Can't slot a rocket. Can't slot a rocket. No. Fairly open and shut case, is this Charlie, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's yeah. oxymoronic. Too casual. Too casual for a rocket. The only person I can imagine slotting a rocket is Yaya Torre, who did occasionally mm. score ridiculously powerful and good long-range shots, seemingly with minimal effort, effort or backlift. Yeah, yeah. No, very, you're right. Very, very few can do that. Yeah, I still wouldn't accept it. Mm. Yeah. In any context, though. Next up, the consistency versus common sense debate rears its <laughs> ugly head once again. Here's BBC Radio 5 Live's Jonathan Overend giving us an update from Norwich versus Brentford on Saturday afternoon. Bottom of the table, of course, and Norwich. They're at home to Brentford. Jonathan Overend. Still Norwich nil, Brentford one. We have a yellow card here Christian, uh, for Christian Eriksen, Ian, hauling back Brandon Williams and Anthony Taylor, one of the men credited with helping save his life in the summer. Uh, well, he's still got a job to do Norwich nil Brentford one <laughs> <laughs> let it go referee let it go <laughs> he nearly died <laughs> Billy Connolly again <laughs> <laughs> no, Charlie. I mean, yeah, you got referee by the book, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. That shouldn't that shouldn't get in the way. Can I can I tell you a really tangential uh, got a job to do? I meant to mention this a week or so ago. On uh, we were talking about Effen Okoku uh, before. What was it he, that angered him? He there was something about shots on target. Yeah, that, hitting the crossbar should have yeah. been on target. That was it. Yeah. On this occasion, uh, someone sent this to me. They fla- He was doing a game for one of those world feeds or something like that, and and they flashed to I think it was Liverpool were losing to Norwich. And they said, oh, effing, <laughs> a goal that uh, you'll certainly certainly be interested in. It's like, why? Why would I be interested in that? It's like, 
oh, you know, it's uh, it's a big guy. I was like, yeah, I've got a job to do, though. I'm commentating on this game. <laughs> and then the other commentator, brilliantly, was like, sort of doubted himself. I was like, but you you did play for Norwich, didn't you? <laughs> like, yeah, but I've got a what, job what to a do. Horrible moment. That you yeah. You might have got it wrong. It was, yeah, exactly. He clearly was really mm. doubting himself. But it was, Efren uh, is not a guy to mess around, clearly. No. No, no, you know, it's, it's, it takes it very seriously, as as we've, as you say, as we've noted before. Someone else who takes things seriously is Darren Jalland, who writes in, David says, My wife gets really angry every time a commentator or co-commentator uses the word floor to describe the pitch, as a floor should be indoors and they should say ground instead. I mean, she's not wrong, he says. I can't really think of too many instances where I've heard floor. When would, when would a commentator say floor? So like keep it on the floor? His team plays the right way. They like to keep it on the floor. So that's floor one. And then Charlie, you could have... He spends half his time rolling around on the floor, <laughs> doesn't he? So that's yeah. floor two. But it's sort of... It's not meant to be literal, is it? It's sort of an analogy of sorts, isn't yeah. it? Floor, but what we're establishing here, is floor acceptable for outdoor purposes? Technically not, but we, you know, like floors used more than turf. Yeah, turf is turf is literally what we're talking about. Turf needs to be used more. Turf more. You you hear as well the carpet. I mean, not literally, but you talk about oh, it's like a carpet, like like a carpet. Um, Yeah, that blurs the lines between indoors mm. and outdoors, doesn't it? Certainly. But at least I guess there you're acknowledging that it's like that. You're not saying it's an actual carpet. Although I bet someone would be like, yeah, that Emirates pit, that's a carpet. Mm. It's an absolute carpet over there. Yeah, it's always the Emirates. <laughs> I can't think of any other uses of floor, to be honest. So Mrs. Jalland might be onto something. It's, it's, it's not rife, but it's certainly one to keep an eye on. Next up, um, this is from Tascarino, who um, for the third time in human history, he heard this from Trevor Sinclair during Leicester versus Leeds on Talk Sport. Jesse Marsh already very animated on the edge of his technical area. Yeah, and that's expected. You know, he's not had long to work with the players. So for, for, for him to start organising them, get him to be where they want to be in certain scenarios on the pitch, you would expect that he'd be on the edge of his technical area like he is, um, testiculating and, and animated and vocal, talking to his players, trying to help him get into positions that they need to be in. Wow. That's it. For the third time in six months, Dave. He said testiculating. That's really good. I like that. And th- that's a bit of a Stuart Pierce-ism, I think. <laughs> Pierce is quite a good one for, like, mangling... Management ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, testiculating. But it's, it's nice that it's nice that Trevor's getting involved. Testiculating, Charlie. I mean, on the face of it, actually, quite an effective word. What do we think we'd want to use it for if we were to yeah, coin it? I testiculating. Mean, didn't Louis van Gaal famously testiculate, talking about how big his balls were? I think he got them out. I mean, that was quite literal, but he got his balls out, apparently, with his players. Yeah, 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 in the dressing room, yeah. Oh, of course, yes. That would literally be testiculating. Diego Simeone, Dave, is a testiculator. Yeah, mm. and I think Klopp's done mm. it as well, you know, on the touchline, just kind of, oh, right. you know, oh. with the, that basically, yeah, like weighing as if he's got a pair of grapefruits down there. Like, mm. like <laughs> you know, I think he did that once. Yeah, I think that's mm. what it, yeah, gesticulating your testicles. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I assume Jesse Marsh wasn't doing that. Um, but no, yeah, it doesn't. You, Jesse Marsh doesn't strike me as a testiculator, to be honest. No. Who's the no. most testiculatory? I mean, we've, obviously, we've named a few of them. Klopp, Simeone, yeah. I mean, Mourinho a little bit. No, nah, yeah, Mourinho. Mourinho yeah, exists Mourinho exactly. Would he would have done that. And then we'd yeah. be like, no. Jose, during the game, you, were, you looked like you were <laughs> testiculating. <laughs> Who are you testiculating towards, yeah. Jose? <laughs> Anyone in particular? 
Anyway, yeah, you know, testiculating um, passes my provisional test. We just need to find a real good usage for it. But um, well done, Trevor Sinclair. Next up, Charlie, disturbing scenes from non-league. Uh, Nathan Joyce tweeted, it's probably best that linesmen don't draw attention to themselves. But this particular one with a headband chose to ignore those rules. It's safe to say he took an absolute battering at Hayes and Yedding this afternoon. Picture of this gentleman with, um, you know, shoulder length hair and a proper headband on. I mean, it's asking for trouble, isn't it? As a linesman in non-league. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's red rag to a bull. I'm just imagining it. Kingstonian and James Moore and Michael Cox being there and the, you know if, if I think of the treatment they'd give them then yeah. terrible it's it? um but it's a, it's the sort of job where it, it's like a you know when you go into sort of a profession you know if you're like a lawyer or or some sort of they they have to have short haircuts surely they should be standard issue referees and be clean shaven yeah yeah you can't and, and there's never been a referee with long hair has there. Well, it was like when when um, who oh Lee Probert started getting like a trendy haircut, and it was like, what is going on here? What, <laughs> that can't be a how is Lee Probert like? Surely the barber would be like, I'm sorry, Lee, I, I can't Such give you name to say out loud. Yeah, I can't give you the footballer's haircut, Lee. You're you're a ref, and your name's Lee Probert. Yeah. Also, you know, you can't have luxury linesmen, Dave. No, exactly. Yeah, the linesmen, <laughs> the linesmen can't. If if there is going to be anyone with a with a, with a fancy haircut, the man it has to be the man or woman in the middle. But yeah, you can't have the linesmen upstaging the. Even the then, referee. I don't think the. And also, be, for, for, if if for no other reason than the fact that they're standing next to the crowd for the whole time. Oh. Lambs to the slaughter. Mm, character building. Um, it'll stand him in good stead. When he finally reaches the uh, PGMOL. But that's the interesting, Dave. You say refs. I mean, I don't think refs even. Like, when Klatz had his hair as well, not just Prober. Mm. I mean, that was... It just didn't feel well, right. Remember the reaction to Mossy? Yes, exactly. Having Mossy on his boots. Exactly. Jonathan Moss. So we'll see what happens with this guy as he moves up the ladder. Um, Charlie Eccleshare, quick audio quiz for you. Can you tell me the story behind this noise? That is a good question. I, I must confess, I have seen the the clip in oh, question. Oh, okay then. But it is a very specific type of what what that is is the phone call. I mean, it's the phone call Roberto Carlos makes to Sergio Ramos, isn't it? And uh, in a Shropshire village pub, exactly. Yeah. And, er- and everyone's going crazy. But there it's is a great sound. There there is something quite specific to that. It's all like when it, when you're with a famous person and everyone's completely in their thrall. Yeah. And so anything they do is kind of amazing. And so it's that kind of, we're, oh, my God, we're with this person. And it could literally yeah. be like, oh, can you go and like boot a ball as hard as you can? And it goes, oh, he's done it. He can hit a ball really hard. <laughs> yeah, but there was, a, there was a, a fair amount of innocence to it, Dave. There was, there was very little cynicism in that way. It was, it was just really nice. I felt like my heart was with them. I'm all, yeah, absolutely. I think I'd probably react the same, to be honest. Because uh, I'm always sort of slightly surprised... Maybe this says something about um, about me. I don't know, but I'm slightly surprised that people answer the phone. Or the, mm. you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like you, you do this, you know, Roberto Carlos. As he tips, unless you sort of teed him up, that I'll, I'm going to maybe ring you after the game. Can you be around? But like, why? Why wouldn't they answer? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just surely he's more likely to be busy than not. Or did you just think, oh, Roberto's ringing? Great, I'll have yeah, a. I reckon it's, I'll have a it's an old friend, an old an old colleague's ringing you. I'd answer that more often than not. Yeah. I mean, what's Sergio Ramos doing anyway <laughs> at, that, at that time of day? This is, of course, Charlie, um, the aftermath of Roberto Carlos's one and only game for uh, a pub team after signing via eBay as part of their marketing campaign. Yeah, the real festivities began in the evening after he'd scored his 
very lame looking penalty. I was going to say, did uh, you see any of the? I've not seen any of the any footage yeah, of the action. He stroked home. He came. He came. It was, it was very much like Socrates playing for Garforth back uh, in the day. Right. He came on and uh, he sort of trudged around. He, he was carrying an injury from a motorbike accident in in, uh, in Madrid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, literally didn't leave the centre circle. Looked very much uh, his age. But uh, then they they conveniently were awarded a penalty, and he uh, stepped up and stroked it home. I'd, if I was a member of the Shropshire Sunday League in question, I'd have big questions about the integrity. Of the, of the competition mm. after this so given how strict they are about ringers normally yeah, exactly did, did, yeah. he re- did he register in time <laughs> like, uh, I'm sceptical these, these are valid points but do you know what the most annoying thing was they played it on Friday oh. yeah. yeah just you know do it properly do all, all the marketing companies only available on Friday were they rubbish do it properly do it on Sunday where's the, where's the authenticity scrabbling around for a player they get Roberto Carlos but no I mean it sounds as if um, you know with, this is not to be cynical about it because playing with pros and then hanging around with them afterwards and asking them loads of questions is so much fun. Do you, oh, you think anyone at the end went, I mean, Roberto, if you fancy it, yeah. take your number and <laughs> sign up by? Because we're always, we're always on the lookout. Are you back next week? Yeah. No, I'm not actually. Yeah. I'm, not actually I'm not actually about. Tell you what, you, you can come again, Roberto. After that performance, like, he, he's a I'm keeper. I'm with work. I'm actually, with work. Roberto, we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Get yourself on the mailing list, on the email list, uh, Roberto, and just yeah, look out for. Get we do it all through this yeah. ridiculously complicated website. Is that all right? No, can you not? Just text. Um, the the proceedings peaked perhaps with this tweet from Chris Kamara out on the Raz with Roberto Carlos. Never be afraid to take a Brazilian legend into a British pub, as they stand there with their drinks next to the fruity Charlie. Well, I mean, what a surreal scene. Uh, just to cap it off, there's a little Tesco bag hidden in, in the background. And so someone tweeted to me, it's just the idea of seeing Roberto Collis and a Tesco bag together just seems <laughs> utterly surreal. Quite right. Yeah. I like as well the, the sort of straw man that Kamara's created. I mean, is that something that most people would be sceptical of doing? It sounds like a really fun idea, what he's described, taking a Brazilian legend into a pub. This idea, this idea, Dave, of the impenetrable British pub culture. Yeah, Roberto exactly. Carlos wouldn't get it. Yeah. Everyone turns around upon him entering, giving him frosty looks. Yeah. It's going to take him, you know, up, you know, six or eight pints to adapt, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. The perceived wisdom is you should never ever do that, but yeah. actually, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Can't wait to give it a try myself. Right, next up, um, sur- even more surreal scenes, Dave. Uh, this is from Amazon. A riveting debut crime thriller from an exciting new voice in fiction. Meza Erzil's agent, Dr. Ergut Surt, has published his debut novel, Deadline, a high-octane story set in the world of football and the powerful agents who control it. Sound good? Um, I'll add it to the reading list. Wait, Go so on. this oh. is a novel, this is a novel, a fiction? Yeah. A work of fiction he's written... Obviously, yep. presumably based on his own experiences. Maybe. Maybe here's a little taster of the plot, Charlie. As transfer deadline day looms, Ander Anaya is about to make the deal of a lifetime. All that stands in his way is a rival agent, or so he thinks. The table, a secret cabal of super agents involved in off-pitch criminal activities, <laughs> have other ideas. <laughs> and they've kidnapped his daughter, Yuska, as collateral. <laughs> Oops. David Miller is about to make his first serious deal. A deal that will bring Ander's world crashing down around him. Now Ander must do everything in his power to stop him or risk losing the deal and his daughter. Oof, there is a lot at stake there. It's quite Steve Bruce, uh, Steve Barnes. <laughs> it is a bit, isn't it? It's uh, a little bit of, of uh, you know, it sort of sli- slightly sounds a bit like Taken. 
Liam Neeson can be lined up to play this in a low budget <laughs> film version. I could see, I could definitely see it happening. Um, I like the table. Fa- I like the sound of the table. The secret, yeah. secret cabal of the agents. Cabal, yeah. Not really sort of Bond villain levels of uh, sinister, but fine. But uh, really, my favourite part of this, Charlie, are the, uh, recommend- the celebrity recommendations. Such an exciting read, this one says. I love this book. Really opens your eyes to the dark side of football. <laughs> Meza Urza. <laughs> <laughs> but he also gives it five stars, Charlie, as well. I bet he thought long and hard about that as well. Yeah, whether whether it would get that. Very discerning reader, I think. If you actually if you actually looked on Amazon on his Amazon profile, he doesn't just dish out five stars to anyone. Old Meza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Just I, I'm trying to imagine the um, correspondence that went into this. Charlie's sort of texting Meza Urzel saying, "Would you mind? Sorry to bother you." Would you mind reviewing my book on Amazon? I know you're busy. I've written the words. All yeah. you have to do, like, I'll send you them. All you have to do is, uh, is hit send. Isn't or should we just do it no. anyway? He will never, he'll never see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we look, we're, we're sounding very cynical here. Sounds like Mesut Ozil is his, his client and he's just done it to be nice or whatever, or in part of some contractual obligation, blah, 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 blah. But no, next review is, wow, what a read, Dave. It's like if Jack Reacher was a football agent. Robert Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, though, some lovely sounds from the Earl Sports Hellenic League Premier Division. This is Yesh Lamoti for Tuffley Rovers against Royal Wooten Bassett Town FC. Go on, have a go, Shane. Go on. Great effort. Oh, yes! Oh, that netting. Oh, that is, yeah. That is beautiful. Perfection. I wonder, Charlie, if the sound was aided by the fact that goalkeeper had hung his towel right in that spot. Mm. Helping the, it might, maybe it dampens the sound a little bit, gives it a little bit of extra bass, like a muffler or something. That is, yeah, yeah that, I mean, Dave, you'll know a that thing is, or two about that. That's the idea. Yeah, Get, it's all set up really nicely, though. Go on, go on, son, have a hit. Great effort. Oh, that is yeah. Can that's... Dave? I want you to, I want you to vocally attempt the sound of that net noise. Oh, I, don't, I don't think I can. <laughs> or, or Dave? <laughs> oh yeah, you see the bass. You need the bass, <laughs> don't you? I would spell it K R R H H. Let's, have it. Let's hear it again. Go on, have a go, Shane. Go on. Great effort. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it starts with a cur. It's great. Though. We need a great beatboxer. 
I do know the third best beatboxer in the US. I met him in Philadelphia <laughs> a matter of weeks ago. Okay. I'll give him a call. Yeah. Oh, what a nice little project. Let's get him to do football sounds. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Definitely doing this. The best thing about that sound is, um, as perfect as it was, it was just loose enough as well. It didn't sound too clunky. There was a, there was a bit of give to the net. Mm. It's one of the best I've heard for a while. Yeah. And I mean, presumably at that level, actually, you know, the nets are there. But it does show the importance when you're doing the nets in Sunday League or whatever, getting them right, because it makes a huge difference to how satisfying goals are to score. So yeah, because I think the looseness means that not only does it there's a, there's probably an initial sound if if you were to break down the sound wave of the moment that the ball when it first touches the net, but because of the, the looseness of it, it sort of goes in and probably sort of scrapes along a little bit. Yeah, Whereas if it was exactly. taut, it would just bounce off straight away. And then it would be it would make it look like clink, yeah clink sound as that yeah it makes some metal bit move. But you don't want you don't want clink you want clink, that's what you want. Next up. <laughs> what, asks Eamon Dalton, is the exact number of attempts needed for a goal that is an inanimate object made of aluminium and netting to do a deal with the devil and live a charmed life? Charlie, what what ballpark figures are we talking here? Kazuchka writes and says, for me, the number is three times in a game in separate incidents. Yeah, I think, it, I think you can break that down a little bit, though, because in a shorter time period, I think if, if say, a team hits the bar twice... In the early stages, something, you know, anything up to like 15 to 20 minutes, I think you can say, it's been living a charmed life. As the game goes on, I think it does need to be more like three. Dave, um, would you say that the woodwork needs to be struck? Is that, let's get this yes, out of I the think way that's first. Important. Yeah, I, I think feel so. like the woodwork is important. Because that's the kind of closest you can come. Exactly. <laughs> well, you ask F and a Koku. Try telling F and a Koku. Okay, so, okay, Charlie's little benchmark's good. So two two woodwork strikes and then maybe another close call, either a good save or a last-ditch... Double save or something, yeah. Double save is good, yeah. But, but I think... What about time span, Dave? What are we thinking? Can't just be a whole game, can it? A half, a half maybe? 20 minutes. As Charlie says, like if, if the threshold is 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 only two things, then that can happen in a short period of time. Yeah. Note the fact that but, uh, yeah. Charlie, of course, we say live. It's it's living a charmed life. It's never you know their goal led a charmed yes, life. It's, no. ne- it's never retrospective. It's never across a game. It's a, it's a current thing that's happening. So I feel the time window needs to be quite narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That I, that's why I think it, you can have a couple. In, in that sort of early period. But does it have to, just thinking, living a charmed life? Because charmed life speaks to luck, you know, luck and fortune. Does it almost have to be exclusively woodwork? I mean, because I don't know, if a goalkeeper's making good saves, that feels yeah. more skill. I think Living so. a charmed life feels so. like they've got very lucky woodwork. here, but they can't yeah. keep hitting the bar. Like there's yeah, some sort of magnetic... Exactly. Force field going on around the goal, propelling yeah, these shots away. Put on the goal mm. because great saves kind of counteract the whole other concept. Exactly, you know, yeah, it's design. You know, they're yeah. keep, they're keeping the team at bay, so it's not charmed because there's it's not luck. It actually kept them out. Mm. So, and I think it's specifically mm. the go- the physical goal thing that you're talking about, and it's like it can't keep just getting battered. And, and shots that go even narrowly wide or over, Dave, aren't going to be included in this either because that's not luck. They just didn't score. Exactly. Didn't go in, didn't hit target yeah. in any definition. Because, so because, because, because got, you know, goals obviously can and do go in off the post, off the bar. When you're talking about an inch either way, that it's, sometimes it almost looks like he's hit the same spot and could go two different ways. Well, OK, on, I'm, I'm very happy with this um, restriction. So on that basis, I would, I would reduce it, Charlie, to two 
It doesn't need to be three. I think it only needs to be twice in the space of about 10, 15 minutes. That becomes charmed live territory. I think that would be the sweet spot. Yeah. Twice I mean, yeah. in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the first 20 of a game, but yeah, it doesn't have to be the first. It can be in a period, can't it? Yeah, because it, it could be late on when a team is hanging on. Exactly, or something yeah, like yeah. That. But early on is also very good. Yeah, yeah. Early on's good, great. Um, if, if it happens yeah next up some similarly niche things uh, this first one I spotted during the uh, Watford Arsenal game as well let's play the clip first and then we'll pick it apart afterwards what a goal that was though the build up play Alan well yeah this interchange here the little back heel and he's on his bike Odegaard and he gets rewarded for his run simple question for you in what specific circumstances can slash should someone be on their bike? I don't think that example is a perfect example of someone being on their bike. So if, any, if anyone hasn't seen that goal, that is Erdegaard playing a little one-two with Saka out wide and sort of so running from just outside the edge of the penalty area on the right-hand side into the middle of the box. But kind of, he, he, wasn't, break, he wasn't busting a gut to get mm. there. It wasn't well, that he's a Rolls quick. Royce. He's moving in a slightly exactly. a Norwegian Rolls Royce. I think on your bike is more Charlie. As you, as you, um, to reference one of the pieces you've written for the Athletic recently, detailing the a West Ham against Tottenham game of 2007, when Paul Stalteri ran from mm. one end of the pitch to the other to ultimately finish off a tap in and win the game four three for Spurs. I think like I think there has to be some distance involved to be on your mm. bike. Okay. Okay, well, there's, I see, there seems to be three factors at play, Charlie. Velocity. I think you have to be running over a certain mm, speed yeah, to be mm. on your bike, for, you know, regardless of anything else. Dave has introduced distance to this, which I, 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 will, I will debate later. Third thing, you need to be running after something. It's not, just, it's not just scrambling to get back. It's not just joining an attack. You need to be getting on the end of something when you get there. And, and a one-two seems to me to be the ideal thing for this. He, he doesn't just stand there. He's, He's on, on his, his bike. bike. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think when when on your bike. Actually, I, I do think there is something on that. And, and Dave's example is got to go on that Stateri one. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't stand still. He's on his bike. Just following an attack, hoping that something might... He's on his bike, hoping something might drop to him. I think that's quite a good example. I and that will tickle those. I think it's a speculative thing. I think you're on your bike to get, to get somewhere that you're expecting to happen. But Dave, I don't think distance is important. I don't think it's important at all. I, think, I don't think you need to run the full length of the pitch to be on your bike. I think you can you can be purposely mm, running after something. I don't think that. Covering the yeah, but I th- I think you know you don't you don't just get your bike down the down the end of the road, do you? There's got to be there's got to be a minimum <laughs> distance required to actually get on the bike in the first place. Uh, don't get all literal. <laughs> you do a paper round. That is essentially yeah, to the end of your road. My paper round was very short. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I. I also, but it can also be used in other ways. Like, also can be used as a bit of a oh, get on your bike, go. Like, you know, when someone's not on, no, someone's not putting. Like, a fullback should be overlapping, what, but they're generally not. being on their bike. No, <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Go on, I get know on you've your been bike. Away. I know you've been away for a bit. This is rusty. No, no, you. But you can de- get on your bike. Yeah, come on, on your bike, Literally. son. Come on. And also, and, and also, it can be like you know, sling your hook on your bike, son. Off you go. Oh well, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that true. Which I mean, then gave way to Taxi Four as, mm. as, as the the transport, <laughs> the is. proliferation of yeah. Uber. But yeah, but, you, you, of... but to take it back to your original point, Adam, you you talked about velocity. I don't think Odegaard's moving quick enough in that example. To there's not a great deal of velocity there. 
He's running on to the end of a 1-2 to score yeah, a goal. He's got to be running fairly no, quickly. Well, he's not running quickly at all, really. In that case, the reason I suspect Alan Smith said it is because he may not have been running super quickly, but he spotted an opportunity and went for it. Mm. And, and he made a decision to move where some players may not have spotted They'd it. have so switched off. A men- exactly. they'd, have, they'd, have, they'd have stood and admired their pass. Exactly. Whereas what he did... Getting he was, on your bike is he was on his bike. standing and admiring. Mm. Mm, very good, John. Very good. <laughs> that sets us up quite nicely. Let's return to Cucho Hernandez's spectacular acrobatic equaliser for Watford at Vicarage Road against Arsenal. Arthur Fain writes in, pointing us towards Don Hutchison on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, helping Conor McNamara really dissect the intricacies of the technique. My instinct at the time live in commentary was to say scissors kick. Yeah. I think a lot of that's because it's come from the side towards him. Was that a scissors kick? Was it a bicycle kick? And explain why. Scissors, bicycle kick, more or less the same thing. I think overhead kick, slightly different. But it's sort of because it's sort of side on, isn't it? The scissor kick, the bicycle kick, overheads when you got your back completely towards goal. Yes, exactly. And I think that's what I'm thinking. Overhead, you've got to be leaning backwards as you go here. He's almost side on as he actually makes the connection. But it's so high. I mean, in terms of technical, his boot is above his head. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's a sensational finish. Like listening to ourselves, it really is. <laughs> the, the level of granularity there, Dave, really is something. Really good, really good. I wonder mm. if they listen. The I've got a few issues with this. Okay. I so Hutchison says that the he said bicycle kick and scissor kick are basically the same thing, which I did. I, yeah, pretty close. I think there is a difference between a bicycle kick and an overhead kick. But both of them, but however, both of them, the ball can still go over your head on both of them. But I think a, an overhead, you can have an overhead kick where you don't do the bicycle movement with your legs. So, so you basically don't jump, you just kind of yeah. hit, you kind of hook it over Spoon your head. Spoon it back yeah. over yourself. That's, so that's an overhead kick. But yeah. a bicycle kick in the traditional sort of classic Pele sense is still overhead, but it's you kick one leg up and then the second hit it with the second one in that, which is the bicycle bit, right? But I don't, but I don't think you can do that kick. on the side. I don't think... As Hutchinson said, you, you can't do it on the side, I don't think. I think it's a scissor kick it's the, if it's on the side. It's the same technique, though, isn't it, Charlie? It's the kind of, like, hitch kick, but it's just a different angle of the body. I feel like they're mm. they're related. But also, just to touch on something that Dave mentioned there without mentioning, you said, Dave, scissor kick, which is what I would say as well. They kept saying scissors kick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is not right. I've always, not right. Well, I've always known it as scissor kick. It's a scissor kick, not yeah. scissors kick. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Some bicycles kick. But yeah, let's not pluralise scissors. Yeah. No need. Because it's a no scissoring need. motion. You are not mm. a pair of scissors. Yeah, it's the verb, not the noun. Mm. But the, the overhead as well, because the overhead can be some fairly rudimentary goals. Yeah, they're rubbish. Let's face it. Come on. All overhead kicks are rubbish. Hoist it. That can be just like hiking a ball back behind you. That's very different from the majesty of a bicycle kick. Overhead kicks are like, you know, you know, football boots these days. Like, you can get about fifteen different versions of the same boot, all at different price points. Like an Adidas Predator can, it can have like a twenty quid version that has basically nothing on it, and it's like <laughs> yeah, that is an overhead kick. And Strip a bicycle down, kick is like yeah. the pro version, exactly. Um, not a fan of overhead kicks, but but in summary, Hutchison's logic more or less pretty good I, I, there's nothing to really complain about Charlie I, I, I quite like how they investigated their methodology was good at least yeah and that's that is why um, those who advocate for radio commentary uh, you know it's exactly these sorts of exchanges yeah you know the more tangential um, sorts of conversations yeah no I, I liked um, 
Conor McNamara's kind of intrepid approach to it, Dave. It, you, as Charlie says, it's you wouldn't get this on on a live BBC TV game, would you? No, you certainly wouldn't. As you say, you know, the pitchers do the talking for you on TV. But yeah, no, all for it, all for it. But I do, I do, without labouring it, I don't, I think there is, dif- <laughs> I don't think scissors and bicycle kick, a scissor kick and a bicycle kick are two different things. I don't think they're the same uh, thing. Okay. I, don't think, okay, I just then. don't think you can have a side on bicycle kick. It has to be back to goal. As if you're on a bike upside down, basically. Whereas a scissor kick, you're sort of, it's you're on the side and you're, it's, yeah. Yeah, can't have bikes side on, but you can have them upside down. Got it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Next up, very troubling scenes from the Northeast Charlie. John Joe Shelby issuing the first ever recorded post-win apology via the club as well. They tweeted it out, not him. I'll, I'll give you a little snippet of it. We weren't at our best yesterday, but sometimes you have to grind out results. Credit to Brighton. That little bit very much implies that it, he was well behind it. No team. I apologise for my own performance. I've actually watched the game back twice, but I dug deep and I'm proud of my team for doing the same. I mean... I mean Reasonable sentiment, but no need. No need. No, no need. need. But also, the slight humble brag of, I'm saying I didn't play well, but I did dig deep. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, what are you apologising for? You know, e- either say that you were really bad or not. Don't then justify it with it, but I did dig deep. But I, I saw this on Twitter yesterday with ha- without having watched the highlights or really being aware of anything that had gone on in the game apart from the result. And it was presented as a message from John Joe Shelby to our fans. So I'm assuming immediately, assuming, what's he done? Has he been sent off? Has yeah. he been caught yeah. on, on a, you know, in some sort of disgraceful scene on Saturday night or or, or what? And uh, read it. It's just, oh, just didn't have a great game in a game that we won. <laughs> not to, well, not it, to come it, off all Roy Keane, but I mean... No, it, it's, I mean, it's worrying. It, it's a very troubling development, yeah. Charlie. It strikes me a little bit as the first instance I've seen of... of Reaching for classy touchness, mm, interesting performative classiness. Yeah, I, that's. I mean, I don't want to be too harsh. I mean, it's, it's a fairly innocuous message. It's not that huge a deal, but I, I'm worried about what Pandora's box, <laughs> the precedent. Yeah. Also, what will definitely happen, and probably has happened already, is there will be people saying like, "Doesn't this show how far Newcastle have come?" A few months ago, mm. they couldn't buy a win. Now they they've just won a game. That, but that's that's what Eddie Howe's done to this football club. It really has changed the mentality. <laughs> <It> really. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it back twice as well. Yeah, fucking hell. Has he really? Yeah, that's like four hours. Twice. Yeah, no Double speed. He's on White Scout on three times speed. Yeah. <laughs> no one can watch back a full game, they know the result too. It's oh, not possible. And watching yourself play is obviously, you know, instinctively awful as well. I did notice, to be cynical for a second, I did notice that there were two different branded sort of sponsors' logos on the, uh, on the <laughs> oh, graphic. God. Is this maybe just some fulfilling some sort of 
some sort of oh, quota. I've got to do a note. I haven't done my note quota, yeah. but we've, we've won the game. Yeah. Oh, how, do I, how do I frame this? unnecessary post-win apology is brought to you by Fun88. Yeah, very much so. Um, right, final item of the adjudication panel today is from Inchromo, who was watching City's latter stages toying with United at the Etihad and asks, how close to the opposition box should a Premier League crowd stop olaying? Surely we shouldn't be in the territory where an assist could be olayed, Dave. It is, it is, it should be kind of a halfway line, innocuous passing mm. around thing. Once you get to the box, yeah. the the kind of growing anticipation of a goal should take over. Is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, middle, middle of the pitch. In, in either box, I think. Or maybe if it's in your own box and you're, pl- you're playing it out yeah. ostentatiously oh, from fine. the back is fine. But yeah, anything towards the opposition box, I think, it's, it's, that's, it's business time. It's the business end of the pitch. Well, I, I would use Opta here and say final third. That's where you can't, you can't be Olay. As soon as you enter that final third, mm. I, think, I think that's too forward, close. But a, a, a backward, backward passes in the final third would be okay. It would be, fairly, yeah. yeah. What if you pass it out of the final third into... Yeah, it's like knocking back, it around. Yeah. yeah, it could be like the corner flag, for but, example. But, Yes, yeah. Well, yes. even but even on like, let's let's say actually you um I don't know to use Liverpool as, as an example that James Milner fizzes it in to Roberto Firmino who's standing on the edge of the D but with his back to goal who then just instead of doing anything progressive with it decides to pass it back to Naby Keita you know almost in an act of I'm deliberately not trying to score here we're just going to keep the ball that would be fine Toy. yeah. No, this is, this is worth discussing, and I'm glad we've got the parameters set. But the, my next question, Charlie, is that if a team were to olay their way all the way to a goal, that, I think that'd be massively humiliating for the conceding team. That would uh, an, a hitherto unheard of mm. rubbing salt well, in the wound. Fortunately, like goals never being scored during a minute's applause, a mid-game minute's applause, you also can't score. Oh, unless you can. Have you got an example that you can score from? Well, funnily enough, Max, I'm surprised you didn't know this, actually, this one, uh, Mr. Photographic Premier League Year's memory. Max Baldock writes in, says, I think Carlos Vela's goal versus Bolton yes. in August 2010 was overlaid ah. all the way to the assist. <laughs> no, it's fine. There? Well, listen to the clip it first. It was September 2010, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Max Baldock, hang your head in shame. Gen- I genuinely didn't think that was the thing you were going to pick up on. In- sensational. Anyway, Max Baldock says, only time I can remember it happening. Let's hear it. Danielson, Fabregas. Just lobbed up for Vela. Beautiful football. It's Vela. It's show-stopping stuff from Arsenal. Do they olay the final pass? Well, no. And, and that's I the think one. they do. Uh, I don't know. I think some people, some people, like seasoned fans or anybody with any inkling of what's going on, didn't take part. But some people who were just maybe fair weather fans and just got into the spirit of it just like olayed it because it was another kick of the ball. That's also, can theory. I just say this is exactly the point at which it goes into the final third? Up until then, nothing in the final third. <laughs> but crucially, yeah. is there an olay? Dave, let's hear it. Yeah, so just to set the scene, so Fabregas, I think someone's passed the ball to Fabregas, he's in the centre circle, under no pressure really, turns, looks up, Vela makes the run, and he just lofts the ball over the top to Vela, who is, as Charlie said, right on the edge of the final final third. So let's hear it. I don't think they do. Three yards out from goal. Right, so this is the this is the pass preceding the one that Fabregas is makes. Is there a further ole? Ole. Fabregas. Just lobbed up. There it is. I swear. You can hear the trajectory. It sort of starts, doesn't it? It sort of starts, but then it gets... It's certainly not universal. Oh, near. Right. 
Right, here we go. Here we go. Clincher. Danielson, Fabregas. Just lobbed up for Vela. There is a little bit at the start. You you, you, there is, it sort of transitions. So it starts as a, oh, and just before they get to the L, it goes into the, oh. Yeah. They're very similar sounds. It's, it, people maybe will never know. Audio experts will be picking away at this forever. There was an example, another one. It wasn't a goal, but it ended in a vet, in an Arsenal Charlton game in 2004. I think it would have been September 2004. Ended with Reyes with a very good chance, skying one that would have made it 5 0 uh, against Charlton. If you were going to follow it all the way through, and let's just say they had done a very distinct ole on that Fabregas assist, and you follow it through to the finish. If you then, so if you did ole, 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 <laughs> Bella, Bella. Oh dear. I just, I, I, I don't think people would be quick-witted enough to, to make the connection. That but transition would be, nice, would be incredible, mm. yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think it would just been a nice polite fifth goal fourth goal applause i think would have been the right way to go about things uh that is the end of the adjudication panel but it's not the end of this episode because we've got keys and gray corner um two solid gold bits of keys and gray for you here first is keys and gray reacting to jesse marsh's first leeds united post-match huddle <laughs> now up until this point i think he's made some some Good decisions, apart from the Roberts, obviously. Um, he impressed me tonight in his press conference, but I'm beginning to wonder what this is. And, and well, it's a huddle. Why? They're going to, they don't want to get a huddle, but <laughs> some of the boys have gone. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I knew that was what was developing. My question more is why? Do that in the dressing room. Get yourselves in, get Roberts on a treatment table, talk about the game. For effect, do you think? Who's it impressing? Certainly not me. Well, maybe the Leeds fans are loving it. I don't know. I'll phone a couple of them later and ask them to how they feel. But it's, uh, it's well, strange. Strange. New Phil Brown. <laughs> oh dear. That didn't end well. That's no, just odd for me. I, I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Really, really could not get to grips with the concept, could he, Charlie? The why, which he then repeats. The two... Why? Yeah. My, I understand what it is. My question is, why? Yeah. Sensational. I mean, Phil Brown as well must be... Must Was be a mate of close to being a Phil Brown situation? Was no, but, but they must they must know Phil Brown. Of I'm, course I'm they do. Thinking, mm. and, and, and you could tell because Andy doesn't want to go in on Phil Brown, yeah, does he? Yeah, there's end. a little... But he sort of knows he kind of has to acknowledge it. In the scale of tenuousness, where does this rate, Dave, in the kind of leave him alone, yes, we get it, he's American stakes? You have to ask yourself the question, if this was Jurgen Klopp, on the pitch at Anfield after a Champions League semi-final. Here we are, look at this. First leg, narrow defeat. It it wouldn't get the same uh, outcry from Kesey, I I don't think. Jurgen Klopp holding court. They they, they respond so well to that up here, don't they? Anfield, (laughs) Anfield is looking well, Andy, isn't it? Right, well, across the Pennines, 
Um, uh, they were discussing the effect of Cristiano Ronaldo signing for Manchester United. It's blown the dressing room up. Oh, no, it hasn't. That dressing blown room, the what? dressing Richard, room up. that dressing room Matt was, was blown up to you. with Pogba and everyone like that in there. They've got their little clicks before Ronaldo it, even it, arrived. It, as soon as he we arrived. Had. Matt, Matt said to you earlier, it's shrunk Maguire. It oh, has blown well, the dressing room up. That, to me, that Maguire would have to go then. Sorry, Harry, you can't cope with a big player getting into the dressing room. It shrinks you. You're Manchester United's captain. Get a grip, son. Come on. And not you. I'm talking about Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. You're Manchester United captain. You don't let Ronaldo shrink you. (laughs) Really really good. Because we we focus on keys a lot for this, Dave. But really good to see Gray getting into it. Like, good old-style Gray sort of getting really animated. Yeah, going back at Keezy for once, Mm. which is nice. I love it. And they got their little clicks. Their little clicks. (laughs) Sorry, Harry. It shrinks you. It shrinks you, Harry. Shrink. I just, I mean, it just gives me a wonderful image of like Harry Maguire shrunk like the little fella in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Still with a massive head. Mike TV. Mike TV, yeah. <laughs> Mike TV. Mike TV. Um, Rolled die. <laughs> Augustus Gloop, Andy. A German defender. Yeah, you're um, looking a bit like Augustus Gloop these days, easy. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Also, I mean, the fact that Key's the boot on the other foot, given that we saw recently Key's advocating that Ronaldo was the best player ever for the simple reason, power. Yeah, still still claiming that he would take him over Messi any day. Because Still because of power. power. Um, yeah, there is something so tragic about it, isn't that? With, with all the world's eyes seemingly on the Sky Sports um, coverage and their pundits reacting which you can probably see in a distant they've got the big screenshot of the etihad from their studio in qatar probably mm. somewhere in that you can see keen and richards arguing and they're sort of still doing their thing but yeah yeah no, yeah a slam dunk of a keys and gray corner um anyway well that wraps up today's adjudication panel david walker thanks to you thank you thanks to you charlie ecclesher thank you adam and we'll be back on thursday see you later everyone the athletic <laughs>